Faith Church, I'm Claire Kingsley, and it's Go Time. We are releasing podcast interviews with our missionaries prior to their Go Time weekend. This will allow you to catch up with them before you see them at an event. The purpose of our podcast is to meet the missionaries and hear what they're up to. They will also share a few ways you can be partnering with them in prayer. I encourage you to take the time to pray for each missionary as the episode ends. Today's episode features our missionaries, Dan and Michelle Tubby. They are currently living in the Chicago area for a year-long furlough following the previous eight years serving in Indonesia with One Challenge International. Their go-time events are this weekend, July 23rd and 24th. Check out their schedule of events on our website, faithchurchindy.com slash gotime. Okay. Hi, Dan. Hi, Michelle. I'm so glad you guys are with us for our Go Time podcast. Thanks. Hi, Hi. it's good to be here. And when you say good to be here, tell us where are you guys right now? What's going on? Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your family, and your ministry. Introduce yourselves. Well, for the last eight years, we've been stationed in Indonesia, and so on the island of Java. Um, Right now, uh, we are in the Chicago area, and so we're starting a year's furlough. Um, Okay. We were, yeah, so we just came at the end of May um, to, to Wheaton area, and we are settling into a home that is furnished and provided by a group of people here, so we're very, be- feel very blessed about that, um, and looking forward to just having a year in the States for our girls, especially, but also for us, just to have a little break from ministry time. Yes. So tell us about your family. You mentioned you have some, you've got children. How many, what are their ages? Well, we have four girls and they are growing into teenhood. So we have 15 year old who will be in 10th grade, 14 year old who will be in ninth an 11 year old who will be in sixth grade and a nine year old who will be in fourth grade. So we are not sure what we'll be doing for schooling this year, but we're checking out all the options here since this is really our first time to live in this area for a year in the Wheaton area. Mm-hmm. And tell us how you landed in the Wheaton area. What's in Wheaton that isn't in Indy? Why not Indy? <laughs> so the nice thing about uh, this place up here is uh, my parents are living just two miles down the road and my brother is not far from them. And so that's uh, something that we have really been missing uh, the last couple of years because my parents recently retired and the kids never ever get to see grandma and grandpa. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a big reason why we were uh, looking to stay here for a year. And so far, it's been great. We've been over there almost every day, and we're really appreciating that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Dan also graduated from Wheaton College, so this mm-hmm. is another draw. He's got some college buddies still in the area mm-hmm. and some obviously some ministry partners that we're excited to maybe see a bit more. We even have some uh, former friends that worked in Germany at Black Forest Academy who go to the church here. And so, and some former students who will be here. So yeah, lots of people to reconnect with. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys are going to be in Indy in July for your Go Time conference, or your, sorry, your Go Time weekend. And so what are you looking forward to in your time in Indy? Well, um, there's a bunch of people that we're looking forward to uh, reconnecting with. And uh, are your girls going to join you? uh, Yeah, we're all coming. Okay. So, <clears throat> in fact, they're excited. They, they keep asking, when are we going to Indianapolis? Mm-hmm. I want to see this person and that person. And I remember these people. So mm-hmm. yeah, they're, we're definitely looking forward because we've spent two year long furloughs there, uh, home assignments. They remember people and they're definitely excited to mm-hmm. see people. Okay. 
Super. Um, well, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about the ministry that you partner with and uh, their vision and how that kind of aligns with your vision and your passion for the ministry. And um, what are you guys praying about for what's next? Sure. Well, our uh, sending organization is called One Challenge International, and uh, their goal is to equip nationals, um, national workers, for a kingdom ministry. And so um, rather than doing church planning themselves, for instance, um, our missionaries are training uh, nationals uh, for going out and uh, planting churches. And so rather than uh, teaching the Bible, um, working in seminaries, training Bible teachers, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So the, uh, the thinking behind that is it's a whole lot easier uh, for people who are from that culture to connect with people from that culture. And so we're just mm -hmm. focused on giving them the tools for them to go out and do the work. So that's the uh, big goal for our mission and the way and what we are involved with is uh, education of missionary kids. So M MK education. And uh, this fits with the whole thing because we are also involved with uh, training a group that is very likely to be involved with ministry themselves. Mm -hmm. And so a uh, huge number of missionaries who are in the field now were themselves missionary kids. And um, so, yeah, so that's, how what we do fits in with the overall vision. Mm -hmm. In Indonesia, um, we have a, a team of OC international people that are working there, and uh, some of the, and they're doing all sorts of different things. Some are teaching at seminaries, some are working with uh, the house church movement. Mm -hmm. um, we have some people working with uh, uh, former exploited women, uh, getting them out of that lifestyle mm -hmm. into a halfway house, um, mm -hmm. and training them for uh, for um, like having a job. And then uh, there's us who are working at an international school there, um, Mountain View Christian School. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, teach English and coach basketball. And Michelle has done many different things. But most recently, um, she was uh, like staying at home, working with our kids as we we're all locked up with COVID. <laughs> so <clears throat> so that's, uh, I, I guess, what we were doing there. What was the other question? Or the other part of that question? Yeah, well, um, you guys are on furlough and you're not sure what's next. So um, tell us, what are you praying about for the next season and how can we you know, be praying alongside you? Uh, yeah, we are uh, definitely needing to be here just to have a break. I mean, we've, both, we've actually both been on the field combined together for over 20 years. So it's about time for us to just have a little sabbatical. So we are, as we're taking this year here, we're praying about what God has for us. Um, we also obviously need to see where our kids are in terms of education. Our girls possibly want to look at college down the road, our older girls especially. And we just were, were asking God to show us, is, is, shall we go back to, should we go back to Indonesia? That's definitely on our hearts. We would love to be in, continue to be involved in that ministry. Um, or is there something God has for us here more um, at this time? We just are not sure and are just waiting on him and asking people to pray, join us in prayer about what God has for us next. And so we are open to anything, really. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, well, that's that's really our prayer. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, so our heart is to return to Indonesia, but the, um, the big concern that we have is uh, we don't want to sacrifice our kids, um, I, I guess, the important social uh, development that, that happens when they're in middle school and high school, mm -hmm. and then also uh, the stage of their education. And so uh, it was very difficult to 
keep school running effectively mm -hmm. and uh, be uh, for the kids to be learning effectively with the COVID rules that were there. And then obviously their chances of interacting with friends and uh, building friendships and stuff that also took a hit and that was difficult. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, I guess was, uh, gave us some red flags about uh, continuing to stay there uh, for this upcoming year uh, was the fact that nobody in Indonesia seemed to be experiencing COVID fatigue. And it seemed like we we're gonna be continuing the um, sort of lockdown measures for, mm -hmm. uh, for quite a long time or for an indefinite time. So anyway, <clears throat> so that's, that's something that we are weighing. We're paying very close attention to this next year to see what's, what, it is, what is going to be happening mm -hmm. um, in our area of Indonesia and um, is this something that's going to be practical for the future? Mm -hmm. If not, we very much like to stay involved with MK education. Mm -hmm. We just have not figured out where that would be yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, when we talked earlier, you guys, you mentioned that the, fir the first reason people, most common reason people leave the missionary field is retirement. And the second most common reason someone leaves the missionary field would be because they value their kids' education, they're not willing to sacrifice it and they move back home. And so that's part of your mission and your desire is to give um, parents or like equip students to be able to learn and not sacrifice their education in order to equip the parents be, be able to do the ministry that they're called to. And now you guys are finding yourself in a similar position of what are we willing to sacrifice and and so I guess we can pray along with you that some things do change in the next year while you guys are here at the school that you're at in Indonesia, some of the restrictions that COVID has placed to be able to free this up so that your kids' education is not so compromised and you're still able to do what you feel so passionately about. So does that kind of summarize a little bit what you're saying? Okay. I mean, we didn't mention it, but both of us are, I mean, Dan mentioned he coaches. I also coach swimming and running. And um, we feel in both of our lives, sports has had a huge impact on us in who we are today um, for many years. And that's something we hope our girls can be involved in. But that really came to, I mean, a complete standstill. Indonesia is already behind anyways, in terms of their athletic programs and things they're doing for kids to be involved in physical activity. So that, that was really hard for us to see that like our, our girls want to be involved and active with other friends and they want to be in competitions, but there's absolutely not, I mean, everything came to a standstill mm -hmm. and it was just starting to open up when we left in, in April and May, things were starting to open up, but even things we tried to do, we couldn't do because mm -hmm. some of the teams didn't want to get together to play basketball games or, you know, running races. There were not any races for the last two years. Yeah. So, that's, that's just really hard for us because it's had such a huge impact on who we are today. And so, yeah. Yeah. Kind of yep. That makes sense. Um, so what's good and what's hard about being on furlough? So what's nice about being on furlough is all the people that we get to connect with that we normally don't see for years and years and years. Yeah. And so it's been a real treat uh, just seeing old friends, seeing family mm -hmm. recently. We're going to see some more when we come down to Indy. And we're very much looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> there's also uh, things like convenience stores, which are just so much more convenient than um, the figures. Yeah, trying to find, trying to be resourceful, finding different things that we need for, you know, just for building a lifestyle and stuff uh, in Indonesia. So there's a lot of ways in which America is uh, a very nice 
um, uh, it's very easy to think of it as a holiday destination, right? Yeah. Um, the difficulty is uh, it's you can't live on holiday. And so um, just being back on furlough and trying to get into a different rhythm of life uh, that involves uh, responsibilities for everybody, um, trying to uh, find a good education, you know, should we put them in a public school, should we homeschool, trying to figure out uh, what's going on with that. It's basically um, setting up a new life in a very short period of time, and it might not be for a long period of time. Right. And so that's, I think, the, the biggest difficulty. Um, well, yeah. I think for our kids right now, they're realizing um, they don't yet, they haven't really built, established relationships here. And we are close enough to the church. Fortunately, we're just, uh, you know, a couple hundred meters down the road from the church when they've connected with kids in their church youth group. But the kids don't all live right next to near us. So they're realizing I can't just pop over like in Indonesia, which was a huge advantage. They could literally get on their bikes and ride for three minutes to their best friend's house. That was a huge advantage that right now for them is like, ah. and of course we're thinking we got to drive here and there and play dates because they love that and they love connecting with their friends. So we're, we're thankful that the church has a lot of good activities for them each week, but they're literally like every day wanting to go to friends' houses and play or go mm -hmm. outside. So we're just readjusting our expectations and, um, thankful like my mom came to visit here so they can play with her and do stuff but we're hopeful that that will ease up a bit with time in terms of being able to connect with friends and stuff like that so um, one of the other things that actually is really convenient in Indonesia is they have all these teeny tiny little stores in people's houses so if you need like eggs or sugar or batteries or something whenever at five in the morning you can some places are open and when the stores aren't even open and you just pop over can i get some batteries so there's things that are really convenient or here we're like where do i find that what store oh it's 15 minutes away so there are some things that while you can go to walmart here and get like almost everything you need if there's if i need elastic bands put in my pants i could call my seamstress and Indonesia and pay her two dollars to put elastic in my pants or my girl's pants and I can't do that here so there's just different things that are pros and cons like you said yeah yep okay well thank you for sharing I think that what you've shared gives us uh, our church family many practical ways to be able to pray for you guys you've got a whole year and so we're excited to be able to like maybe a year from now uh, be able to or nine months from now be able to see what God has done over this time and what he's called you to and how you guys respond. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. So when we chatted earlier, you were able to share some stories of how previous students that you've had are now making their own impact for the kingdom. Can you share ways God has given you guys the blessing of being able to witness your students grow over the last 24 years? You know, you did ministry first in Germany now in Indonesia and that totals roughly, I think, 24 years. Is that right? So in that time, what have you been able to witness? Well, the, um, it's been, uh, this is kind of a, a fun, a fun feature of our ministry because mm -hmm. I actually, I don't know why I didn't anticipate it, but I didn't anticipate it, uh, that it would be as meaningful as it was, but just seeing students after they graduated, sometimes a long time after they graduated and, uh, seeing just how they've been growing up and sometimes they go from being you know they were kind of a knucklehead as they were uh, younger and now uh they're not so much anymore and so that's really neat but it's also neat to see kids who are just really terrific you know young ladies young men 
And uh, now they're also terrific, but they're a lot more mature. And that's neat too. And so, um, so just seeing all sorts of kids as they are growing up has been, has been really neat. One of the um, years, I think it was our last year when we were in Indianapolis and uh, we went and got together, connected on Facebook with some former students. And these former students were always in trouble. I was often, I mean, as much as any other teacher, uh, the person getting them in trouble uh, because they were very misbehaved. Um, but they just graduated from college and um, I saw that they were in Indianapolis, uh, saw on Facebook. And so we arranged to go and get together. And so we got together and it was really neat. It was a lot of fun. And so I didn't mind asking them blunt questions since we have this relationship where I'm the stern disciplinarian. And so I just asked them straight up, are you guys walking with the Lord? And they're like, uh, yeah, actually, um, we are. Uh, there are a couple of years in college where I would say that we weren't, but we really want to be you know, taking our walk with God seriously now. And I was like, oh, that's great. That's really great. You know, and so we finished our meal. It was really nice and stuff. And then later they went and contacted, uh, con contacted us. And they're like, hey, we'd like to do a Bible study together. Would you take us through a Bible study? And I was like, absolutely, let's do it. So we got together once a week and they brought the drinks and um, we had a real good time. Um, and that was just really neat. Uh, I don't think, either, I think they're both involved with business right now. So not, it's not like ministry ministry, um, but they're uh, growing and mature and uh, walking with God. And it's just, and you know, they were, the thing is misbehaved kids, they're a lot of fun. Right. And so that's kind of like why they're misbehaved is they're always seeking fun and stuff. And they're still really, really fun guys. But like I said, they're a little bit more mature and they're walking with God right now. So that was really. We also have a former student who, I mean, I taught him in first grade. He's what, 30 now? So was a, yeah. He's yeah. one of our first, my first, first grade classes. And, um, and I coached him for many years in high school and Dan taught him and uh, just uh, so many memories and we worked with his parents in Germany they were teacher they were working at the school as well but he is now working in Canada with Native Canadians uh, on the First Nation they call First them. Nations yeah. sorry First Nations people uh, helping them actually those who want to transition off of reservations and helping them to just develop lifestyle skills so that they can live in you know the normal Canadian society that is not on the reservation and it's really tough and also to help them have a relationship with the Lord and I don't know help them with their you know using taking their former culture and helping to meld it anyways there he's a young married guy and about to have their first kid and he's actually supporting us and we're like what so but it's just so neat to and he was our first visitor in Indonesia um, to come and visit us. So it, he was still single, came and went hiking with Dan and just really special times that like I had him as a little six-year-old and now he's just really, God is using him. And I know it's not easy, but um, it's really neat to see how God has taken him. And we've got support. We got a girl in Indianapolis who has three kids and we helped babysit her little kiddos. I taught her and Dan we coached her and we got, we got a farmer guy in Iowa with six kids. He was one of my former runners and they support us. And it's just really neat to see where God has taken uh, the different. And then we have a couple who are on the field. One of my former runners is in Vietnam with his family. We got two girls, one in Jordan, one in Africa. They're married with young families. So, and our latest was actually two weeks before we left Indonesia, mm -hmm. um, a Korean, South Korean girl came back to Indonesia. Her parents are still serving there and she had literally arrived two days 
before the senior banquet and she was in the car with us going to the senior banquet. Yeah, I'm going to do language study and make relationships with locals and just see what God has for me. And we're like, what? So newly graduated from high, from college and just on fire for God and ready to serve. So it's just really special to see how God is working in the lives of our former students. Really special. We can all think back to a handful of teachers that have made a really big difference in our lives, right? We can all think about those few or coaches even um, that were influential in just really, I guess, bringing out the best in us, challenging us, um, comforting us and doing all the things, wearing all the hats teachers wear. And so um, it's really neat that now, after such a long period of time, your students are now adults and they are able to express that appreciation and you guys are able to witness, um, you know, the benefit of pouring into small children or high school students or anywhere in between and just being able to see like, hey, this is a worthwhile investment. It for sure is. Yeah. So you have a heart for Indonesia. You guys long to be able to go back. Tell us about the community that you left in Indonesia. What's God doing there? And then I'm certain because it's so near and dear to your heart, you are praying for them regularly. So what's your prayer for that community while you guys are gone? And if you'd share that with us, that would be great. So we can also partner with you guys in prayer in that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, one of the neat things about being in Indonesia is we're very, very close to the front line of um, uh, God's harvest work there. And so it is a Indonesia and everywhere in the Muslim world, um, but I can speak for Indonesia specifically, is this full on harvest, harvest, harvest time. And so there's other places where the seed is needing to be planted, um, where you need to do some gardening and stuff to make sure that it grows well. Um, but there is just this huge movement towards Christ happening among the Muslim people in Indonesia right now. And it's incredibly exciting uh, to hear stories and to um, sort of be, be a part of it, even in a supporting role like we are. And so um, the <clears throat> right now, uh, I, I guess like what, and it's not just our organization, it's mm -hmm. um, basically all the mission organizations are have really gravitated towards uh, this one model of um, just helping Muslims share or read the Bible with each other mm -hmm. and having house churches grow naturally from that, from that model right there. Mm -hmm. And so I think when, if we think of um, evangelism in the West, we think of sitting down one-on-one -on -one with someone and here, let me ask you some questions about God and, mm -hmm. you know, and like, uh, and well, what do you think of these verses? And there's something that's really special about the intimacy there. You know, it's like a one-on-one -on -one conversation where I'm paying attention to you because you are a special person. And, um, and in, uh, in Indonesia, and I believe in many Muslim countries, it kind of feels like this is a, a forced thing. It's intimidating. It's, uh, it's not really natural. And uh, it's, it, it's hard for people to respond to it. Whereas getting a group of friends together and, um, hey, let's, you know, ask you some questions. Let's read the, script, the, the scripture right here and let's uh, talk about it. And so a lot of times um, that is a lot less intimidating. They'll argue about it. They might come up with all sorts of wrong answers, but they want to keep talking about it, you know? And so they argue walking out the door and then the next week they're arguing as they walk in and they argue some more. And um, the, the point is people are being exposed to the word of God. And um, if at first they're doing it because they want to find out all the ways that Christianity is wrong, even if that's their motivation to begin with, 
it almost never stays that way. They end up noticing the truth that's there in God's word. And um, patient, you know, it goes and develops over time. And so what ends up happening is you have uh, these uh, groups of friends, you know, men or women uh, going and getting together. And then it becomes families going and getting together. And once they reach a certain size, they go and start other house churches. And so right now, um, our organization has done, spent a lot of time keeping track of all the different house churches that have been started. And they're going on to the seventh generation. And so it's the first group that went and they started the churches. And then they've gone out and started other churches. And that would be the second generation and so on and so forth. So we're on the yeah. seventh generation right now. And um, it's uh, it's really a remarkable thing. An interesting statistic that I heard is there have been more uh, Muslims that have come to Christ in the last 12 years, I think it is. I think it's 12 years than the rest of history combined. Wow. And so it was just, it's just a huge amount of, um, of uh, Muslims like turning to God. And then the vast majority, uh, well, it's not the vast majority, but you hear these stories all the time of uh, Muslims who had, had visions or dreams and they'll walk up to someone and be like, are you a follower of Jesus? And the person's like, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. And they're like, I, ha I had this weird dream. Maybe you can explain it to me. But like mm. Jesus came to me in a dream and said, I was supposed to find you. But who are you? Mm. You know, and so and this sort of thing happens all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The um, one of my favorite stories is uh, some of our Indonesian colleagues went and uh, they connected with this fellow who was pretty rough, you know, from a pretty rough way of life. And uh, he came to know the Lord. And it turns out he was a drug smuggler running boats among all the little islands on the northern coast of Java. All right. And there's, I think, like 14,000 islands in the Indonesian archipelago. All right. And so uh, anyway, he has, uh, this has become a Bible distribution network. What was formerly a drug smuggling network has become a Bible distribution network because all the people in his drug smuggling gang have become Christians. And so they're distributing Bibles among the uh, little hard to reach islands um, in uh, uh I guess the northern Indonesian islands and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. So that's kind of a, a, a neat, a fun story. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, and I am. I have a friend who was. She was teaching my nine-year-old how to crochet this year. She's like, yeah, I actually prayed that. She's an older woman. She's in her seventies. Come out onto the mission field late in life, but she's like, I was praying that God would actually give someone a vision, and they would come to me and tell me about it. I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah. And so this guy, this young graduate at the Christian University, he comes to me and he's like, God told me to come and talk to you. I'm supposed to be a pilot in Papua and help, you know, take Bibles to the inner, like, in the tribes. And she's like, really? And he's like, yeah, I, God gave this vision. So she's helping him get educated so that he can go to out to Papua. He's a Papuan. Um, so he's from the farthest islands east of uh, Indonesia. And he's studying to go out and be a pilot. And they're, they're desperate to get him out there because he's himself is Papuan and can fly and they don't have that but most of our like MAF pilots and uh, the other jars different companies different orgs organizations and missions from the US have US guys but he's actually Papuan so needless to say it's just crazy what God is doing um, in terms of the locals there now for us specifically for our organization and the expats that we just left there's an amazing community of people who are dedicated to helping serve, helping train, helping come alongside Indonesians to help them grow in the knowledge of God's word, to become pastors that are 
diligent and have integrity and are culturally appropriate, but also challenging cultural norms against biblical norms, there's a huge job just of training them. So what does God's word say about money? And what do you do in Javanese culture with your money? Because these are very real practical things that affect the people and how, how their economics, their family life. And so there's, there's an, some amazing, incredible yeah, people. So for instance, it would, it would be considered against God's word to go paying a witch doctor to uh, you know, put a curse on your neighbor's field yes. or to protect your own fields or something like that. Yeah. And so. But even little things like the women's ministry that some of our teammates are doing, some of the women just have such a heart for evangelism. They're giving away like literally all their $3 worth of money each day that they earn to poor people and not even not even understanding they got to save some money to help their own family and feed their own family first. Like they feel that, well, I'm, then I'm not actually doing all that God wants me. So just, I mean, basic financial principles that they don't even have that um, it's just, and they're in debt and they're borrowing constantly. They don't understand. That's not how God wants us to live in, in slavery to someone else. So there's just all these different, and I mean, marriages, marriage counseling, child care, just raising a godly family, training of children, all these things are being addressed by our teammates and they're, and it's just incredible what God is doing. And obviously there is massive spiritual warfare. The enemy does not want to see men and women become change agents in Indonesia. He doesn't want that to happen. And so we have health issues, we have, you know, financial issues. There's just so many things that we see happening on a daily basis. And so we had to navigate, fortunately with the help of friends who have lived there a lot longer than us, how do we, how do we deal with the poverty? How do we help with training and even just like and hiring a seamstress and helping her understand how she can help her business grow, but also she can be involved in ministry at church. So, but she's got to work to, you know, have support the family and, pay her bills, but she also wants to minister. How does she balance that as a young 20-something, young 20-something girl? We're, we're trying to help them practically on a practical level, but also ministry level. And so there's just so many, so many things. And we've got people growing coffee and training guys there to grow organic coffee and sell it worldwide. We, there's just so many different ways that God is working uh, in so many avenues, education and business and you name it, God is working. Swimming lessons for Indonesian kids. I mean, it's just crazy. But it's, it is, we feel that God had us as a part of that education community, obviously to directly impact the education of missionary kids and a f some business kids as well. But in the bigger broad of our expat community, God is doing amazing things. And um, so we are very thankful and we're very sad. I mean, we miss them. It hurts more than we thought it would. So... I, it's been a hard couple of weeks for our girls, for us, um, but we know that God has them there for a reason. So just pray that God will continue to open those doors, continue to give wisdom, and um, just, yeah, that his spirit will be moving because it's, it's incredible. It kind of blows us away <laughs> that we were, got, were a part of that, that right upfront ministry. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing. So while you guys are on furlough, you are going to need to be able to raise support a little bit differently. Um, so what does that look like while you guys are here? And um, what are your financial needs? So I think as far as what it looks like, I think it's going to be uh, visiting people, uh, making connections, um, and 
uh, basically a lot of prayer and trust in God. Our specific financial needs right now are about $600 a month. So it's quite a bit more expensive to live in America than it is to live in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And that's the, um, that, that basically is what the $600 a month is, is about. And so we were fully supported. We we're in the black and didn't have any support needs the whole previous term. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, living in America, we're gas, oh my goodness. <laughs> So in Indonesia, gas is still cheap. It's heavily subsidized by the yeah, government and they actually produce their own oil there and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. And also your kids ride their bikes to their friend's house and now and you've got to transport them. There's no need for shoes. And we told them it does get cold here eventually. So you'll have to put shoes on <laughs> and sweaters, not just tank tops and shorts. Yeah, yeah there's lots of different things here. <laughs> yeah, so. we, we are thankful. I mean, someone here in Wheaton already gave us bikes to borrow so we're literally biking all over the place and running all over the place but we realize we do have to use the car as well so (laughs) okay that's great thanks for letting us know that so if someone is interested in joining your team whether through providing financial support or prayer support committing in one of those ways what is something that you would like them to know yeah we'd like them to know that we are all about teaching and training missionary kids. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that uh, is relational. And so both necessarily and joyfully, it's relational. So uh, becoming good friends with them, um, uh, challenging them in the word, Uh, but then also uh, in the practical aspect of uh, all of us are on a journey. We all have things that we need to learn. And with MK education, a lot of that learning takes place in the classroom or um, in the context of sports, mm-hmm. which is what we do. Yeah. I think also we would like them to understand their partnering with us is directly affecting the world of missions because many of these kids, I mean, the, the guy in Vietnam that is teaching math, one of my former runners, who was also a little knucklehead, but now he's married with kids. Our school in Indonesia actually contacted him to have him come and teach math. Now he turned it down for various reasons he felt God still wants them in Vietnam but like we feel like these are the kids that God I mean Dan himself his father both MKs both went back to the field to serve because we feel very passionate that God has a reason for these kids to have their life experiences overseas now my role right now less a teacher and coach more a mom is to our four MKs and my MK husband to support them to help them as they journey and so Right now, we feel like for our family, the journey is right here in America. But we are open to whatever God has and excited about looking ahead. So people that want to minister with us can truly, we need prayer for wisdom with our own children, for wisdom for what God wants us to do next, if that is to go back onto the field or to stay here. So just, yeah, we really would love to have people coming alongside and and continuing with us in prayer and praying for God's work among the nations. I mean, that is truly what we want to see. Um, God's people everywhere, all nations, hearing the good news of the gospel. So that's what we're about. Super. Thank you, you guys. Thanks for sharing. And we're so excited to see you soon. So we're looking forward to spending time with you and your girls. Good. Yeah, we're looking forward to it too.